Hello and welcome to Living Word, growing a family that experiences every promise of God. You're listening to another life-changing word from Pastor Jason Anderson. For more information, visit our website at livingwordonline.com. Father God, I thank you and praise you for this time. Ask, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts to receive your word. Your word is manna. It's daily and it's practical. It's nourishing. We can use it this week. Lord, your word is also seed in our hearts. It conforms us into the likeness and image of your son grows us on the inside. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. Teach us what we need to know. Prepare us for what's coming in our lives. Partner with me, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to our Easter service, but I'm so thankful that you're here. But I'm also welcoming those who are watching on the stream, the vidcast. Uh, If you're ever in the Mace area, please come hang out with us. Don't forget about our daily Bible study. We do a daily Bible study. You can look it on YouTube. Just type in daily Bible study. You'll find us right away. It's Monday through Friday. We do a morning scripture. We pray over your day. It's me and my brother, Pastor Scott. We have a lot of fun. And so I just encourage you to enjoy that with us. Today, I want to talk to you about the freedom that we have in Christ. And here we are on Resurrection Sunday. And what did Jesus do for us? We know that he provided eternal life and the redemptive blood. Sometimes we might ask ourselves, well, how does that actually impact me and my family this week? What did Jesus do that's going to change my life? The first thing that Jesus said when he came into the church, he was just starting his ministry, very first words out of his mouth, he opened up the Bible to Isaiah 61, and he read to us what he was here to do. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. And what was he doing? He was saying, this is why I'm here. Very first thing he said, kind of a vision statement. Imagine when God created the heavens and the earth and he was started something. What did he do? He spoke. And those words began to impact the future. Jesus was speaking. And by him and the word, even the worlds were created and are held together. This was his kind of vision statement. He was like, this is what I'm here to do. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Say proclaim. proclaim. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free. His proclamation of freedom, what does it do for us? What is this freedom? It's freedom from the things that hold us back, the things that limit us in our lives, the chains that weigh us down, the weight that we carry. Jesus doesn't want anything in your life to limit you, to hold you back. It might be fear, anxiety, It could be the feeling that I can't, I'm not smart enough. It could be health issues. Jesus was saying, listen, if something's holding you back, if you're a crippled, he said, get up and walk. If something's holding you back, he said, if you're blind, here's your sight. If something's holding you back, if something's limited in your life, he went and sought out the limits to remove the lid off of people's lives. Oh, you got a broken heart? Boom, I got healing for that. I want to take the limits off your life. I'm taking the lid off your life. Anything that's been a chain in your life that's been holding you back. Well, I'm never going to meet the right man or woman in my life. I'll always be alone. I'm just depressed, Pastor. That's just how I am. These are the things that that I deal with. I've always had an anger problem, Pastor. I have to be medicated for this or that. 
I've got a sickness in my life. When the doctors came and told my dad that he had congestive heart failure when he was in his 40s, they began to tell him the limits. You're not going to be able to run. You're not going to be able to hike. You're not going to be able to ski anymore. You, you, here's what you have to change in your eating. You can't have ice cream before you go to bed every night. And that's where he drew the line. <laughs> I mean, no, we've got to have a, a, a line that we draw. No, no, hold on. How many know that he doesn't have those limits? He still skis, he still hikes, he still eats ice cream at night. He's got a brand new heart because he didn't receive the limits that the world tried to put on him. The enemy tries to come and give us limits. The Bible says that God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the devil. The world and the enemy will bring you chains, they'll bring you things to try and limit you, to hold you back. But Jesus wants you to know, I proclaimed your freedom. And today, there are chains that you've been walking around in that are coming off of you. There are limits that you brought in, but when you leave today, you're not going to leave with them because they're coming off in this service. Somebody say amen. Because that proclamation has power. The declaration of your freedom has power. They told my mom, you... You have rheumatoid arthritis when she was in her 40s. You're going to be in a wheelchair the rest of your life. They began to tell her the limits that would be upon her. How many know that she has none of those limits on her? She's still walking around preaching the word of God 30 years later, still doing an amazing job. They told my daughter she'd have asthma her whole life. They told me and my wife when she was born, her lungs are damaged. She'll have asthma her whole life. I want you to know that since she was five years old, she has never touched an inhaler. She ran uh, cross-country for her high school, and she's up here singing every Sunday. She doesn't have a single problem with her lungs. The doctors may, may have some authority and may tell you the diagnosis or tell you the limitations and your problems, but how many know there is a higher authority? And while the doctors might try and put a chain on you, just know that Jesus has taken the chain off. He carried that sickness on your behalf so that you wouldn't have to have it. He wants those limits to come off of you today. You know the limits are not always things with our body. They can be with fears, low self-esteem. You were told you couldn't. It could be finances. Whatever those limits are, God's removing those limits today. Jesus already proclaimed it, but in our hearing today, if you'll believe what I'm saying... If you'll believe what Jesus is declaring over you, you can step into a newfound freedom in this moment. The key is not to accept the limitations as permanent. There was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had been bleeding. The Bible says she had spent all of her money on doctors for 12 years. So apparently, even back in those days, 2,000 years ago, health insurance still stunk. <laughs> Didn't pay for a thing. She saw Jesus, you know, she could have accepted after 12 years, 12 years. Well, this is just it. I've tried everything. Pastor, I'm never going to get free. It's never going to change for me. She could have thought to herself, this is just my lot in life. But instead, when she saw Jesus, she saw hope. If you just turn your eyes to Jesus today, get your eyes off the circumstances off the chains, off the prison bars that hold you back, and just put your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says, as he was in this world, so am I. If he was free, then I am free. Somebody say amen. amen. And she saw Jesus, and she went over, touched the hem of his garment. Immediately, she was healed. That sickness was broken off of her in just one moment after 12 years because she got with the right doctor. She got her eyes on the right place. And she didn't accept the 12 years as permanent. 
but instead she stepped into a new kind of permanent and a new kind of truth. Can I get an amen? amen. My wife doesn't accept mediocre in her life. A lot of times people have kind of pinned me as the guy that has a really high bar of excellence, magnificence. Pastor Jace is very demanding. I got to get it right. But I want you to know that it actually is her voice. <laughs> She's one of those people that, like, if you're not going to do it right, don't do it. And so one day, and somebody's clapping their hands. She's like, I'm just like that too. And one day, she said to me early in our marriage, she's like, can you go make me some toast? It was a Sunday morning. I love acts of service. It's one of my love languages. I, I just said, absolutely. I was so excited. She kind of does everything for everyone. And for me, I was like, yes, I get to make toast. Now, I'm no Chef Ramsay, but I wasn't stressed out by the toast. I went out to that toast maker and put the toaster down with the bread in it. And, but my daughter came out. She started to interrupt me. I think she was about two or three. And I was getting her some orange juice. Before you know it, the toast was kind of cold. It had come up. I took some hard butter and kind of pressed it onto the toast, but it was too cold to melt, you know? And then I took that toast back to her. And I handed her the toast. I was like, here you go, toast. I felt so in love. I was given to her, you know? The feeling of love always comes in that action. So I was like, yes, here's toast. And she looked at it. She grabbed the plate. And then she went like this. And she tipped it. And the toast slid off the plate and into the trash can that was right there <laughs> without a word. And then she, picked, she looked at me and she said, I'm sorry. I don't do soggy toast. <laughs> you could actually hear my heart break. It made a sound. <laughs> she wouldn't accept anything but God's best. I think we need to be like that in our lives, where we don't accept anything but God's best. Sometimes you might be like, well, I can live with this limitation, but you know that limitation is not God's best for you. We were at the doctor, and the doctor said to my wife, she'd been having some hearing, uh, she couldn't hear very well, and she had a ringing in her ears that had lasted for months. And the doctor said, you have permanent high-frequency hearing loss. So I thought, permanent? I said, well, what can be done? She goes, nothing, it's permanent. You'll just, you'll live this, with that ringing sound, you'll actually have that the rest of your life. But my wife knew that even though the doctor declared it permanent, that she wasn't gonna accept it. The package showed up at the door, but it becomes so important to us that we don't sign for it, that it's ours. She didn't sign the package, but she began to pray, and we began to declare over her ears, praise God that Jesus has already provided the victory. He already carried her sickness and nailed it to the cross. She doesn't have to accept that as a limitation for the rest of her life. She doesn't have to. She could live with a little bit of high-frequency hearing loss, but she decided not to, and she rejected it. Within a few months, she woke up one morning, and that hearing loss was completely gone. She had all of her hearing back. Somebody give the Lord some praise right now. We have to learn to see these limitations as temporary. The Bible says that we do not look at the seen things... For the seen things, but, but instead we look at the things that are not seen. For the seen things are temporary. But the things that are not seen, these are the things that are eternal. The situation that's holding you back, just begin to see it as temporary. I'm not staying here. I'm like checked into a hotel, but this is not my house. This is not how I'm going to live in my life. This is just a temporary circumstance. I know that Jesus has already delivered me, and I'm going to hold on to the idea that there's a battle happening on the inside that's more important than what I see. The things that happen on the inside, the thoughts that I'm having, are they fear? Are they accepting? 
and my anxiety and my emotions? Is my in, insides accepting or receiving the negative things? Or am I pushing back on that? The Bible says, resist the enemy and he will flee from you. I just need a little resistance that says, that's not mine. I'm not keeping that. That's going to be moving away from me soon. I'm going to hold on to the healing power of Jesus Christ. When I begin to believe in the unseen for the eternal things, I find out that the battle that's happening in here is more important than the battle that I see. The battle that's happening in my thoughts and what I'm saying and how I'm feeling is far more important than the circumstances around me. That's why Jesus comes on the inside of me and he himself is my peace. And people might look at you and say, how are you not panicking on the inside looking at the circumstances that are surrounding you? And you just simply say, I got the peace of Jesus on the inside of me. I'm winning the war in here because he's already won the war out here. Somebody say amen. There was a man that came here and got born again here last fall. And a couple weeks later, he collapsed and his heart stopped beating and they rushed him to the hospital and they resuscitated him, I think three times that his heart stopped beating. He never awoke from this episode. Uh, it was a Sunday and then it was a Monday and it was a Tuesday. They were concerned that he was brain dead. They didn't know what was wrong. They had him hooked up to all kinds of machines to keep him alive. He reached out, his fiance reached out to the church to ask for prayer. All our prayer warriors began to pray. I drove up to the hospital around noon and I went and I prayed with this man. I prayed with this mighty woman of faith. And we just began to agree that this wasn't a fixed circumstance, that this wasn't the ending. You know, the family was already flying in to say their goodbyes. The doctor said, we don't know what to do and we don't know what's wrong. We have no idea what's going on. But how many know that God knew what was going on? How many knew when the doctors don't know what to do, there's still a chief physician, a healer, and his name is Jesus? We put our faith in Jesus. I just began to see that tonight he's going to start responding. He's going to wake up tonight. And tomorrow morning, I said, he's going to be sitting up and having a conversation. Well, that night she started texting the, the intercessors and me. He wiggled his toe. We kept saying, to, you know how you do that? Hey, Blink, do, if you can hear my voice, wiggle your toe. He wiggled his toe. That was a sign. The next morning, he was sitting up in bed, having conversations with people. He went home later that week. You see, when the doctor says, I don't know what to do, I just began to look at that hospital bed that he was in. That's not his bed. That's not where he's supposed to be sleeping. He's got a different bed. This hospital room, that's not his house. This isn't where he lives. This is a temporary stay. We're not going to accept that this is permanent. We're going to believe that it's just temporal. It may be the things that are seen, but we're going to put our faith in the things that are not seen. And when people say it's impossible and doctors say that it's impossible, how many know that nothing is impossible with our God? Amen? It was just a temporary stay. July 4th in 1776, our founding fathers declared our independence as a nation. The Declaration of Independence. Did you know that we weren't free that day? We were still under British rule. In fact, as a country, we would be under British rule for seven more years. They declared the freedom before we saw the freedom. The word had to go before uh, first, just like Jesus proclaimed freedom before they saw the freedom. Our mouths also need to declare the freedom. 
And in 1778, two years after we had declared our freedom, we were losing the war. It didn't look like we'd ever get out of it. Things had turned for the worse. But George Washington created something called the Culper Ring. I was reading about this, and it was a spy organization that went into New York City, where the British had occupied New York City, and they infiltrated the ranks and began to get the detailed information of what the British generals were doing and strategizing. And they were reporting all this information back to George Washington and the American generals. What happened in 1778 was the battle began to take a turn. This new information caused us to start winning. We were able to see where they were going to attack before they attacked. Their surprise attacks were not a surprise. We knew what they were going to do before they did it. The different information made all the difference in the world. It wasn't that we had more recruits or better army or more guns. It wasn't that we had bigger cannons. It was that we had new information. And I want you to know that Jesus has given you a culpa ring. The Culper Ring is the spy organization that gives you secret information. And when you come to God's house, the Bible says this, it was God's intent that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. There's secret information that, gets hap that happens here. And this morning on Easter Sunday morning, there is an announcement and a proclamation of freedom coming. And new information is about to turn the battle in your favor. Just one word of new information that the chains have fallen off. The prison doors have swung wide open. I'm taking off my prison clothes and I'm stepping out into a newfound freedom today. Why? Because I got new information. That declaration has power. Just saying and speaking a new, a newfound freedom. I was driving somebody else's car. I was helping this man with, with uh, some electrical work that needed to be done. I like to do this in my spare time. I love to work with my hands. And uh, so I was going to help uh, this, this. It was not my car. That's an important announcement to make. This was not my car. And it had electrical issues. The radio was acting funny, and the horn was like, eh, eh. it was making this funky noise while I was driving it. It was, a, it was, it was like a 1977 Corvette, I think. And it was kind of beat up. It needed some love. And, but it was fun to drive. <laughs> Muscle car. Come on, where's the fellas at? <laughs> but the horn goes like, <laughs> it, was made, it sounded like there was a wire loose. And I pushed on the, the horn. Where's the honkers at? We got honkers in here today? I am not a honker. I'm very uncomfortable with the idea of honking. My wife's a honker, so we balance each other. She'll reach over and honk that. Anyways. It wouldn't honk, though. It was just making... So I was sitting at a red light, and, and behind this great big massive hulking truck, it was the big wheels, and the, it was jacked up, and I got my hot rod, and I saw the guy in front of me, and he was as big as the truck is. I'm just saying, like, his neck was so wide through the window that it kind of was almost invading the passenger seat. Like this was a... <laughs> and all of a sudden my Corvette began to honk at him. It was a red light. Light was as red as red could be. Honk! Honk! It was the rude honk, the one that comes with almost like a, a language, like a cuss word is attached to the honk. <laughs> and the, the man in the truck, he looked in his rearview mirror so slowly. Honk! Honk! And then he goes... And then he motioned to the red light. 
so I'm going like this with my hands in the air. I am not honking. But I think what he heard come out of my not honking gesture was, why don't we step out of the car and take this outside? I think that's what he heard. And he began to get out of his truck. My car is still honking. And I thought, well, I've never backed down from a fight yet. It may not look like, like I, I realize that I probably look large to you up here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, all five foot five of me about to get out of the car. We're going to do this thing. Let's do it. I grab my sling. <laughs> five smooth stones. <laughs> Luckily, the light turned green. I was like this. He got back in the car. Off we went. The good news was, it wasn't my car. And we might have things that are on us and our limitations, things that hold us back, things that get us in trouble sometimes. But just know this, they're not ours. We've got to stop saying it's mine. The things that come out of our mouth, that's my addiction. That's not yours. That's my anger problem. That's not your anger problem. It's my disease. No, it's not. It's my diabetes. It's not yours. I have back pain. No, you don't. You don't have back pain. Stop saying that it's yours. It's not yours. You don't own it. You were born of the incorruptible seed of Jesus Christ. You are born again. All things that were old are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. You are the righteousness of God. You don't have an anger problem. And we say this about other people. Well, they have an anger problem. You might say it about your spouse. Well, my husband's temper. Don't say it's his anymore. It's not his. Your husband is made in the likeness and image of God. He's got the spirit of the living God on the inside of him. As Jesus was in this world, so is your husband. Don't say it's his. That thing is just temporary. Paul would not even identify with the sin that he was committing. He said, when I sin, it isn't me that sinned. Oh, I love it. He's like, I don't even own my anger issues. I don't own my addiction. It's not mine. It's sin that's living in me. I am the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works. I am called, justified, and glorified. I'm the holiness of Jesus Christ forgiven, washed by the blood of the Lamb, white as snow. I got the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. We begin to say the right things about our life and about our future. We're going to get a different result. Martin Luther King uh, Jr. said this. He, he believed that freedom begins with the proclamation of freedom. He called it letting freedom ring. And I want to read this quote to you. He said this. When we let freedom ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men, white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants, Catholics, Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> I added that one. We'll be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old spiritual song, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. It starts with the proclamation. What if today we are able to say, and just repeat after me right now, in the name of Jesus, I am free. Woo! And that declaration starts the process. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, there's a story of a Hebrew servant who would serve in a household. And in the seventh year, he was declared free. He or she was declared free. Because God never intended for us to live under chains. He never intended for his people 
to be servants. But we're called to be, and when I say servant, I know Jesus called us to be servants, but he called us to be a city on the hill. Not held back by limitations of our body or our minds, fear, low self-esteem, the debt that you feel like you owe God. I wasn't good enough. I didn't perform well enough. My behavior's been bad. Pastor, you don't know my past. And sometimes the the Hebrew servants, instead of going free in that seventh year, the Bible says they would choose to stay. When they chose to stay, they inclined their ear to the door and they would put a nail through the ear into the door to symbolize you're going to be in this household now forever as a servant. I want you to know that sometimes we get comfortable in our chains. We get comfortable in that prison room. It's not God's best, but pastor, I can live with it. I've been managing just fine. God doesn't want you to live with it. Jesus paid too big a price for you to manage just fine. He wants that lid to come off your life. He declared you free. Now walk out. And when he got nailed to that cross, it was like being nailed to that door. And he took your place. He said, you're not going to be a servant forever. I'm going to take your place so that you might be free. And he walked freely into the prison of sickness, but it couldn't hold him. And he walked freely into the prison of brokenness, despair, abandonment, betrayal. He walked freely and he took your place, but it couldn't hold him. He walked freely into the prison of sickness and disease, of poverty, the lack that holds us back. He walked freely into the debt that we owed God from our sins, but it couldn't hold him. He walked freely into the prisons and the bonds of death itself, but death could not hold him. And he rose from the dead and has declared you free. I just encourage you, the the bars are open, the chains have fallen off, you've been loosed. Don't be comfortable in that environment, walk out. It says it was for freedom that Christ had set us free. That freedom, he wants you to live in it. It was for the ability of you to run free without limits in this world. Run free into your destiny without the limitations that hold you back. It was for that kind of freedom that Christ has set us free. Let us not hold on to the chains anymore or the weight that we carry that isn't even ours. Let us let go of those things and move on to the destiny and the race that God has called us to. Free, free, and free. Somebody say amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Man, just keep walking. Don't camp there. It's not your valley. Your valley is the hilltop of life. Paul said, this affliction is for but a moment. It's just temporary. It's not going to stay. We recognize that Christ has done it all for us. Well, pastor, I've given up. I'm never going to have that child. We're never going to get out of debt. I'll always live with these pills. Listen, today, ungive up. No more giving up. Ungive up. Put your faith back in Jesus. Reach out to the hem of his garment this morning. Let him touch you. Turn to the hope that is in Christ and be free. Let me pray for you. Father God, that that freedom comes upon us today in that richness and all the freedom that you've given us. Places that we've lived and we've accepted bondages and limitations. We accepted the idea that we weren't smart, 
We accepted the idea that we could never move on. We couldn't start that business. We couldn't go back to school. Lord, where we've accepted body limitations, sicknesses. We've accepted depression or grief. Lord, that you've given us an exchange, a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the oil of joy for our mourning, peace that passes understanding. Oh, there's power right there. Just receive it. Anywhere where we've allowed a prison to hold us, that you set us free from, let us walk out of it today, knowing that we are free. We declare that freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a, a young boy, such a fighter, so proud of this, this young boy. He had appendicitis, but his appendix had actually already ruptured, which you know you can die from that. And this was just a couple weeks ago, and his parents rushed him to the hospital. And it should have been, you know, maybe it was Saturday. He should have been home by Monday at the operation. Should have been ready to go. But it was complication after complication after complication. He was there Monday. He was there Tuesday. He was there Wednesday. Pastor Dion went there and prayed. A lot of our prayer warriors went and prayed. I went and prayed. I believed he'd just go home the next morning. I thought he's going to go home Wednesday morning. But Wednesday morning, early, early in the morning, I was woken up in the middle of the night. You ever have that happen to you? You wake up in the middle of the night, why am I up? Why am I awake? Sometimes that's the Lord saying pray. So he brought the boy's name to my mind. He said, Caden. I said, Lord, why isn't that boy home yet? Sometimes the battle can seem like it's laborious and take a long time. I prayed for people that went home the next day. This little boy seemed like it was getting worse after I prayed. Sometimes we'll pray and believe God for the freedom and it seemed like things are getting worse. And the Lord said, fight. So I began to pray. I began to pray for this little boy. And when I fight, let me just tell you how I fight my battles. I fight with praise. Oh God, I thank you that you've already delivered him. I thank that you already set this boy free. In the name of Jesus, the chains have fallen off. He's going to be home tomorrow. And if not tomorrow, he'll be home the next day. And if not the next day, he's going home healthy on Saturday. This is how I fight my battles. The fight we fight is the good fight of faith. I'm not fighting with Satan. Satan's already been defeated. I'm not fighting for healing. The healing's already there. I'm fighting the good fight of faith. My weapon is a melody. Praise God. That little boy is here with us this morning, worshiping God on Easter Sunday, healthy and whole, completely healed. It was a fight, but Jesus won. I'm so glad that you're still watching. We're going to continue this on our Wake Up Show. It's a daily Bible study, Monday through Friday. You can go to YouTube and just search Daily Bible Study. You can find us. And what we do is we take what he teaches and what I teach, and we just go a little, we go farther with it. We it's do. a whole lot of fun. You can go to wakeuptv.tv, and also there you could donate. You could give. If you, if you receive something today, we just encourage you to, to be a giver. Yeah, be a giver and sow back into what the Lord has poured into your life. Make um, sure you always give to your local church, yeah. but yeah. your offering you can give so that it allows us to take this message even further. We got your super awesome, amazing Discovering Your Identity book. Incredible. It's on Amazon. It's Yeah. 
And, and this is really about the confusion that's out there about people's purpose, about what they're supposed to be doing, direction, plans in their life, and really about who they are. Right. And so this is, it, it clears it up using scripture about who you are in Christ. So discovering your authentic identity, and you can search for this on Amazon. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you that opportunity right now. It's very simple. It's very easy. Say this prayer with me and believe it in your heart and you have it. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't earn it. You can't somehow be good enough to do it. And so I know oftentimes the enemy wants to make you feel like, well, I'm not a good person or you don't know what I've done. But Jesus died for every one of your sins. Not some, but all. And I know that we all are still going to mess up, so don't even let that worry you. All that today is about is securing your eternity with a prayer. Say this prayer with us and believe it and you're saved. Heavenly Father, I thank you right now for forgiving me of all of my sins. I ask you, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You're in. You're in. God bless you. Uh, we just thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time.